listeners, and welcome back to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a fabulous show in store for you today. Joining us, we have Johanna Maynard Edwards, who is the Artistic Director at the National Women's Theater Festival. And she is here to talk to us about the National Women's Theater Festival presentation of their upcoming Women's Theater Festival conference, Fringe Festival, the whole gamut of things that are coming up down at North Carolina State University's theater and virtually. There is the WTF Con 23 that's taking place June 21st through 23rd. There's the WT Fringe 23, that's June 22nd through the July 1st. The whole thing takes place June 21st through July 1st. Those are the dates you need to mark on your calendar, book your tickets now. We all go down to North Carolina. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting womenstheaterfestival.com. You're going to see all your information. The keynote speakers include Christine Toy Johnson, Chelsea Pace, and recently Tony-nominated actress Katie Sullivan. Presenters also include Stephanie Douglas of NPR's The Moth and Chicago Public Media. This is a festival that's got everything and anything for any theater lover. But I'm doing a terrible job selling this. So why don't we go ahead and bring on our guest, Johanna. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted. I am so pumped to talk about this huge festival, this great festival happening down in North Kakalaki. Can you tell us a little bit more about the National Women's Theater Festival? Yeah, well, yes, I can. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So the National Women's Theater Festival was founded back in 2016 as, as just the Women's Theater Festival as a local Raleigh area grassroots movement around gender parity and a bit of an outrage at the lack of opportunities for women. Uh, on and off stages, and particularly in leadership positions, in starring roles, plays, the plays being selected for seasons were predominantly by men. And so the idea with this grassroots movement was, what if we put on a festival that was all women (laughs) doing all the important jobs, and men would be in the supporting places and the allyship roles. From there, We became a nonprofit and began doing this every year and moved our definition and idea about what gender parity is way off a binary. And so our mission statement now is to create, produce, and promote extraordinary theater by women and artists of all underrepresented genders with the ultimate goal of creating a pipeline of 100% parity in the the U.S. theater. I love all of that. So how did you come up with the idea for this festival? Or how did the idea for this festival come up? Yeah, so I, you know, I wasn't part of the founding movement. I joined in kind of after that first summer season to bring some of my expertise in self-producing and like grassroots 
theater producing and promoting as someone who I got my BFA at NYU Tisch School of the Arts and did a, just a ton of my own directing, self-producing, try, you know, trying to like make work on the dirty streets of New York City. So when I moved back here to Raleigh, what I encountered was lots of folks who wanted to be a part of theater, who wanted who like didn't pursue those opportunities as undergrads or are now in different, did and are now in different phases of their lives that include, you know, jobs in tech or raising children and trying to look for those pathways back in or those pathways to training that they didn't have yet, they haven't had yet. And so trying to bring that to the table to help other people learn from my <laughs> from my trials by fire in trying to put up shows and and make work happen. Well, I I, I want to turn now to this year's festival. Great. WTF Con 23 and Fringe 23. What has it been like developing the festival itself? And and I also want to dive a little bit into you know, the keynote speakers you have coming as well as this Fringe Festival. How did you select the shows and the speakers? Yes. Okay. So that like comes from our kind of like pivot pre like pre-pandemic. We did a little bit of a pivot into this format of a festival of wanting to have a destination event that offered a, con a conference with convening and educational opportunities along with a fringe festival that allows people the chance to ex be experimental with their work. And and that's what I was what I was actually getting to is like when you historically didn't have opportunities, it's hard to get the first opportunity. And then when there's a lot of pressure around those opportunities, if you fail or don't do everything perfectly or everything doesn't go just right, then you might never get another opportunity. So what we're trying to do with our festival is to create these like multiple pathways and multiple entry points at like every every stage in your career in theater or your love of theater. So we kind of like just, just cracked that code in 2019 <laughs> and then there was a pandemic. So in 2020, we tried to take that whole idea online and it wound up growing. Like we're one of those companies that actually boomed in 2020 by going online. And it was in 2021 that we rebranded as the National Women's Theater Festival because our 2020 conference and fringe festival was so well attended digitally with artists and makers and producers from all around the world that were like convening with us in this digital space. And so you had people like li living legend playwright Lauren Gunderson working alongside students who are graduating out of theater school it, during a pandemic and like it having a total existential crisis. So last year in 2022, we tried to like, okay, how do we bring it back into real space without losing our digital audience? So it was our like first experiment back into the world. And this year for 2023, our theme is opening doors because now it's like, we're really doing it, right? We're really opening the doors back out into the world, into this new space. So we do have this three-day conference that offers training, talks, conversations, connections, networking opportunities for people in all parts of the industry, playwrights, 
performers, directors, producers, everyone. And then a fringe festival that kind of that overlaps with it and continues on through the next week where we have local Raleigh area artists along with artists who are traveling in from around the country to share their work. That is so cool. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Now, I do want to ask real quick, slip a question in. With the Fringe Festival, are all the works by women or female presenting performers? No. So with our Fringe Festival, we do, we have like a, a kind of, cur- we do a curated fringe. So people su- people can submit and we have like really kind of clear our rubric of how we're evaluating and scoring them. And so centering women, trans, non-binary, or gender expansive people is one of those criteria and like a top criteria. (laughs) And so, you know, in that submission form, we do even ask if you have cis male folks in leadership roles on this project, let us know and explain that rationale. So we're not disqualifying you if key personnel in your, in your project are cis men, but we do want to know why they're they're being centered if they're being centered so that that can kind of go into the mix but yes our our artists are primarily uh, identify as women but as i say all the time our festival is queer and getting queerer and really about moving towards more expansive and joyful identifications beyond the the cis beyond the binary of what gender is and what it means to be equitable and what it means to platform diverse stories in all their forms i love that with this year's theme being opening doors is there a message or a thought you're hoping that conference goers fringe goers or what have you will will take away from this year's festival yeah so and particularly around our keynotes and a lot of the sessions the kind of ways we've been thinking about this concept of opening doors and the question of what does it mean to open a door and to maybe be one of the first of something through a door? And then how do we hold that door open for others to follow? And how do we also navigate this new space that there's no such thing as back to normal for the theater industry? There's the before times, there's the trauma and the reckoning of dual pandemics. And now what are we doing with all of that? And how are we coming back into the world or through in, into a n- new space, through a new door and, and working with all of that? So th- those are the things that we're, we're all trying to grapple with transparently because, I, you know, I don't. I'm sure you as a theater person, me as a theater person, like these are the conversations we're having with our friends. And so we wanted to kind of elevate this conversation publicly. So like our three keynote presenters are all people who have <laughs> have have opened big metaphorical doors from Katie Sullivan, like, as you said, newly Tony nominated. We hope she wins. We hope she wins and brings it to Raleigh. That she was the first double amputee performer on Broadway, you know, being a disabled person performing a disabled role on the like highest stage in the country. And she's also a four time champion Paralympian. And so she's just a, re- I don't know about cussing on this podcast, but she's a real badass. And so like, 
you know, we're going to all get to like learn from her and like bask in, in her knowledge and her, what she's learned and what she's like overcome and those, those kind of lessons. And then we have Christine Toy Johnson, who last year was Tony honored for her work with APAC, the Asian American Performers Action Coalition. And, you know, her purpose in this field as an Asian American woman performer around the like lack of roles, lack of visibility for Asian Americans. And so she became a playwright to write these roles so that there could be that that more intentional visibility. And she's finishing up her legendary run as the first Asian American to play the role of Diane in Come From Away. So she's like on the very last leg of that of that national tour production. And so she'll be like, Raleigh's her first stop. <laughs> and then we have Chelsea Pace as our other keynote presenter, who is co-founder of Theatrical Intimacy Education and has been, you know, opening doors as an intimacy professional into the field for the past decade plus. And then that work is really starting to take, take center stage, if you will, or be primarily, you know, a an important focus. And so in the past year, she's been the intimacy director for three Broadway shows, A Strange Loop, Leopoldstadt, and K-pop. And so we have these three amazing women coming to like share their experience about opening doors, walking through new doors, and what we can all take from their experiences. I love all that. And I love the the diverse representation of incredible female artists that you have as your keynote speakers. They are really a great representation of the changes that have happened in the theater recently. As you say, the great reckoning and the direction I feel like theater is going in the most positive way too. Before I get to my last question, I do want to talk about, you mentioned you have this other part of the festival that I love and I want to know more about, which is called WT Family. 23. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Yes. Oh, I, it would be a dream to talk about that. So our WT family programming is complementary offerings to support parent and caregiver artists. So there's on-site childcare available for every program and shout out our partner organizations, PAL, the Parent Artist Advocacy League, and Seed Art Share, which is a local theater company that we partner with that offers these programs. So when parents come to the WTF Con, you can take your babies to the nursery and your older kids to a, a three-day devising camp so they can be making their own opening doors themed theater project while you're doing your <laughs> learnings and attending all your conference sessions and and they're gonna do a performance out at the last day of the conference yeah yep it's so good it's so good the kids are like doing this the same stuff it's beautiful and then for all the fringe festival shows the seed art share is offering us the seed sitters program so you can book on-site child care you can come for a whole day of fringe festival and your kids can be in the building with you with licensed certified trained 
background checked, amazing theater arts instructors having a great day while you're engaging as well with your fellow theater makers. And part of why that's so important for a women, a thing called the National Women's Theater Festival is one of the ways that women get marginalized out or self-select themselves out of this field. But again, where we just don't make a ton of money is motherhood and parenthood. And when caregiving responsibilities get put on folks' plate, things like making art or existing in an art community go off the list. And in particularly, it's a problem all over for parent and caregivers in theater. That's why PAL, the Parent Artist Advocacy League, exists. But in my area here in North Carolina, a lot of folks who do theater don't do it as their day job. So for a mom with a five-year-old who's working all day at, say, a bank and who is then going to do theater at night, the, the sacrifices of never seeing your kid, of missing bedtime, of like the, how it feels selfish to do this thing for yourself at your, at your child's expense. And me as a parent too, I joined this company when my child was four. I, the reason I wasn't there for that very first summer was because of my child's needs. He's on the autism spectrum and had a very severe feeding disorder during that season. And we had to take him for inpatient medical care out of state and work on his like feeding treatment program. So I really, when I joined WTF, it, it was out of a place of like full desperation of feeling like my career had, had ended. And I was just trying to join up with some theater folks where I could like feel my, like a little bit like myself again. And I found that space where my confidence grew again. And I remembered that I had skills, that I had talent, that I had vision, that I had a voice and a reason to be in the room. And so that that's what I'm trying to offer to everyone else who comes into the space now is what is it? And, and that's kind of part of our company ethos of coming from a place of what do you need? Like, what do you personally need in order to show up into this space as your full self and trying to work with each individual on making that happen? So WT Family is one way we do that. But another way we do that is with pay what you can pricing and tiered pricing. We try to like show that economic transparency of like, Here's how much it costs to make this thing happen. And so based on like we value your full festival pass at $325 for everything that goes in and, and what you're getting. But here's other pricing tiers that you can elect. You can if you can pay that full rate, we want you to. If you can't, here's two other rates. And if neither of these rates work for you, email us here and we'll work out a scholarship for you. We'll like we'll, whatever it is you need to get into this space, we want to make it happen. And so we think of all of those things as access needs and like a way to like put accessibility radically at the forefront of what we're doing and just like honor that everyone has access needs. And if you're a deaf person and one of your access needs is an ASL interpreter, then, then that's a clear need, right? That we can help you fill. But for some of us, like maybe, maybe you'd show up in our space and be like, I don't have access needs. I don't know. I'm just here. But then you might see some things you would benefit from. Like we, we keep a low sensory zone with a 
quiet space and a beanbag chair and sensory materials. And we have sensory kits that anyone can grab when they walk into a performance. So you might benefit from a fidget or you might benefit from a cold glass of water or something else that's being offered into the, into the space. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to meet folks exactly where they are through all these programs. That is a perfect lead in then to my final question in this first part of the interview, which is who do you hope have access to the festival? Everyone who wants it. Everyone. <laughs> we we try to make this this space as accessible to everyone who wants to be there or who needs to be there, or who's craving this space. We want to radically welcome everyone to Raleigh. We I think Raleigh is a special place. It's a special city in the South where the arts are prioritized and where accessibility in the arts is prioritized. And and I I feel like we're one of the last places in the South where, where, where rights are on the line and we want you to come. It's whoever you are and whatever you need from this space, whether it's you need networking opportunities, you just want to come see a weekend of cool, really cool, dynamic, experimental theater by underrepresented folks or whether you like want to come hear our keynote speakers or want to do Chelsea Pace's qualify yourself workshop, which is like a great hands-on thing to to happen. Or you want to come to Stephanie Douglas's storytelling workshop to like see how she works with storytellers through the moth to craft their own live lit experiences. And if you want to see her perform, like we want you there, we want everyone there. But if getting to Raleigh and being in the physical space with us isn't possible, we also make all the options, all the offerings available digitally so so that you can access it from wherever you are, again, at whatever price point works for you. So the answer is everyone, but also specifically you and you and you and you and you. And so we we really do invite you to like, email us info at women's theater festival.com or reach out in any way that works for you to say, I want to be a part of this. I want to get involved. I don't know how. And, and we want to have that conversation with you and make it work for you. the second part of our interview we always give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more and i want to start by asking you what inspires you what playwrights composers shows inspire you or even what are some of your favorites yeah okay this is the part I was really excited about because as an artistic director, I love play new plays. I love playwrights. I love engaging with folks. Uh, one of my favorite playwrights on the scene in America these days is Audrey Cephaly. She wrote the play Alabaster, Maytag Virgin, um, a few The Gulf. And I think she's a really incredible voice coming into the American theater. This one of this year's Pulitzer finalists, Alicia Harris. I love her voice. I love the work that she writes, especially around the Black femme experience. 
those are, yeah, those are two of my like favorite playwrights right now. There's a playwright named Matilde Dratwa and you can find Matilde on the new play exchange. I think her plays are so cool and so exquisite and everyone should be making them. Yeah. So those are like a couple of like my favorite playwrights to follow, but I also love I love dance theater. I love devising companies. I love work that's like coming from mishmash hearts and and souls. I love ensemble-based things. On that note, have you seen any great theater that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Yes, I have seen some great theater lately. I I went to New York twice in the past few months and I got to see four shows each time. So like, I I can tell you about all of them. We've talked about some, but Kimberly Akimbo was incredible. I saw White Girl in Danger and it was fantastic. Like rock your socks off, change your life. Fantastic. And I got to see if you get a chance to see a doll's house on Broadway before it closes. I got, (laughs) I treated myself to a front row center seat and getting to watch Jessica Chastain, like hold that space from 20 minutes before the show starts all the way through the curtain call was just an unbelievable thing to get to see. But I also want to say we have amazing theater happening here in the Triangle all the time. And like, I got to see a community theater production of Equus shouting out North Raleigh Arts and Creative Theater for like, do you know, doing this work. And that's great too. You know, like there's great work happening everywhere is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, if I can just like shout out one more. Theater Raleigh is a great company here in Raleigh. They do a lot of great work. And what their next production, main stage production is a a world premiere by a local playwright named Alan Mall. And the play is called The Weight of Everything We Know. It's a romantic comedy and it might be streaming, but if you're in and around Raleigh, it's going to be such a great one to see. I've gotten to like see and read earlier incarnations of this play and it's so cool like having known Alan from like the way back to see, see this opportunity flourish. And so what is your favorite part about working in the theater? My favorite part about working in the theater, it, it goes back to that, like that feeling of, of connection and connecting people through story and that feeling you get when you see yourself and that feeling you get when somebody else saw themselves in the work and and felt centered by something you did or created or made happen that to me is the best part of doing this is is connecting people through story through ritual through experience through gathering through through all this it's amazing yeah the way the parts where we get to share the hard stuff, like our big project last year, that's an ongoing project is called the Momversations Project. And so that has been my creative baby of, we spent years conducting interviews and devising and developing this material based on stories <laughs> of mothers from all around the country and using that connective power of, of story to help, to not just help mothers in the thick of it, feel less alone, but to really begin to point at how can we improve public health outcomes for women and birthing people 
through sharing story. And that gets me really excited. That's the like kind of advocacy work and the next level, like how we use art and theater to then further social justice and to now that you've heard the story, what are you going to go back out in the world and do and change and be? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Ooh, I love all that. Well, we've arrived at my favorite question and I cannot wait to hear yours. I mean, I can sit here and listen to all of yours to this, but what is your favorite theater memory? Oh my gosh. This was the question that I was like, how am I going to choose the one? <laughs> okay. I still, I still can't decide which one to tell you. I might have to tell you both and you just edit to the one. So I had two really pivotal moments in theater and they happened quite like in my memory, they're around the same time. But the one was getting to see Mnemonic by the company, the theater company, Theater de Complicité from New York or no, from they're from London, Simon McBurney, and they brought the show Mnemonic to New York City. And I was still an undergrad, or I was just a young 20-something-year-old seeing this work. And I saw it a few times. And the way the show unfolds from the beginning, that like centers and connects your humanity as an individual for anyone who's like read or seen the play. And I highly recommend to like, just read that opening monologue that is delivered that the ability that what you thought was a curtain speech turning into the weaving into the performance and, and through which he guided you into thinking of yourself as like directly connected to everyone else in the building and in the room and like the profundity, the profoundness of that framework to start a show about the complexity of memory and existence and who we are, like rocked my soul as like an, I was like, this is how I want to feel as an audience. And this is the type of theater I want to make. And I had just a very similar experience kind of around the same time at BAM seeing the the play. It was a show directed by Robert Wilson at BAM with music by Lou Reed. And I think the I think it was called Poetry or something, but it was like Edgar Allan Poe directed by Robert Wilson, all wackadoos and Lou Reed doing the music. And so creating these like just these like these like grandiose like visual and sonic experiences that felt uh, I felt like I was like flying in space and so to create that sheer sensorial experience of 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 artistry coming at you in like these saturated bits also had that big ex profound experience on me as like this is what I want to create for audiences. And this is, this is how I love feeling. I love those. What, what cool shows to share. What great memories. Thank you so much. Well, are there any other projects or productions you have coming on the pipeline? We might be able to plug. Yes. So we have, so obviously we have our festival that's happening June 21st through July 1st. There's so many opportunities to see performances, to participate in theater making and discussions and learning and growing and networking. But then 
We are so excited that we are bringing back a, a, a main stage season. Throughout the pandemic, we we did like maybe one main stage project a year, but we are doing a three show seasons from October 23 to March 2024. So we're so excited that we have a season coming up. Theme of our our upcoming main stage season is full circle. And it's around like how our origins and how we started as the National Women's Theater Festival in the pandemic through these like intimate story moments. We started a virtual plays club like The second week of March, 2020, we went to Twitch and we're working with playwrights doing readings on on Twitch and having these like community conversations. So one of the first plays we did was Audrey Cephali's play Alabaster. So that's going to be the first play in our main stage season. Through that time, we, we developed this deep, rich relationship with Christine Toy Johnson. So we're so excited to be presenting A Little More Blue, her autobiographical one-woman show with music. She has written this piece and, and the music with that about her life and about her story. So we'll be sharing that as a main stage production. And then we're so stoked in the spring to be doing Dance Nation by Claire Barron which was the very first play that we did at the virtual plays club. (laughs) So it's amazing. Yeah. Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about the national women's theater festival or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Sure. Our, our website is women's theater festival.com and it's, Uh, we just newly built it. So there's a lot of like things built in to make it easy to reach out to us right on the homepage, including like all of our social media accounts. You can reach us and me at info at womenstheaterfestival.com and and engage with us on our social media platforms. We love that. (laughs) And we have a newsletter that you can subscribe to right on our homepage as well. And that's where we kind of share a lot of information and stuff. Perfect. My (laughs) guest today has been the artistic director of the National Women's Theater Festival, Johanna Maynard Edwards. They are presenting the National Women's Theater Festival Conference, WTF Con 23, down at North Carolina State University's Theater, as well as virtually June 21st through July 1st. Now, the conference is June 21st through the 23rd, and there's also a Fringe Festival June 22nd through July 1st. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting womenstheaterfestival.com, and that's theater with an R-E. While you're there, you'll be able to see all their social media information, as well as you can find a link to email them or just send an email to info at womenstheaterfestival.com. But highly encourage you to get tickets for the many seminars and guest uh, keynote speakers, including Christine Toy Johnson, Chelsea Pace, and Katie Sullivan, as well as Stephanie Douglas. And get some tickets for this Fringe Festival Check out some great shows. Support this amazing group, this amazing festival and organization. The National Women's Theater Festival, June 21st through July 1st. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. 
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.